0: to The New chemists, We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Doreen Duncan. Thanks for joining me this morning. It's good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Doreen Duncan is an accomplished analyst at HRNA Advisors in the greater New York City area. She has served as a Forefront Fellow in 2019 in the Urban Design Forum. Also, she was a project manager for RISE New York City, which was a part of the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Along with those accomplishments, she was a Georgia Tech Climate Fellow, a Graduate Research Assistant at Georgia Tech, and a Georgia Tech Teaching Assistant. While at Georgia Tech, she received a master's degree in public policy and a master's degree in city and regional planning. Moreover, her undergraduate degree was in mathematics at Kalamazoo College. A well-rounded accomplished young person, please welcome Duran. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: Yes, yes, it's good to see you after such a long time. Mm-hmm. So, same here. Yeah. So, what have been your longstanding interests in the field of public policy?
1: Um, so for a very long time, I've been, you know, interested in sustainability and resilience. And I think, um, while I was in Jamaica in high school, I didn't have the language. I didn't know that's, that, that was what I was interested in. But I think, you know, having grown up in a small island, I think you become very aware of you know natural disasters of all kinds, so whether it's hurricanes or floods or droughts or whatever it may be, from a very young age I'm used to seeing those things, and I think I became very interested in the ways that you know these natural disasters impacted people and the way that people kind of responded to those things. Um, so from high school, like I understood and I really enjoyed things like social studies and geography. Um, And I think my kind of translation of that into sustainability kind of happened later on, probably in college time. But I've always had that interest in understanding how um, the environment impacts people, impacts people's futures, impacts people's families, um, and the way in turn that people impact the environment. I've always been interested in that. Um, And the language came on much later on in my life. Okay, that's that's
0: interesting that you said that the passion and interest was there but for mm-hmm. you, the way you articulated it or expressed it or fleshed it mm-hmm. out, it came later on. So mm-hmm. along the lines of that of that question, just before we transition to more, um, would you say it's essential or critical for Caribbean students to study sustainability or be aware of sustainability? Would you say that would be beneficial in the curriculum? or Of course, without a doubt.
1: I mean, I think island populations, we are at the mercy of so many environmental forces on a regular basis. Um, You know, the lack of water, uh, electricity, all of these things that, you know, by and large, you don't think about if they are provided for you on a regular basis. In island context, we know that we have to think about these things. You have to be concerned about water. Um, If you have a, you know, a very active hurricane season you know that the prices of food is going to be more expensive in the next coming months and that's what's happening right now in Jamaica you know Um, regardless of I mean not regardless but also the impact of how the environment affects you is very much dependent on your income your access to power um, and kind of social mobility so I think given the fact that you know Caribbean islands by and large, there are, you know, income inequalities, like a big issue in these countries. The way the environment affects people on a daily basis is extraordinarily different. You know, like if you go uptown, you know, nothing really phases you. If the hurricane happens, you know your house is secure, you know that your water supply is secure, you know that you're going to have electricity to do your homework or do work but for everybody else that you have to plan for these things so i'm i'm staying at my father-in-law's house right now and there is you know several extra buckets and bottles of water in the bathroom why in case water goes away you can wash your hands you can flush the toilet you know so you have to be planning ahead for all of these things um and i i i was happy that we had you know geography and a couple science classes focused on the environment but as you said i do think we can we need to improve the education, the environmental education that we're giving to people in the Caribbean, um, and have it be more focused on, you know, the ways that climate change are impacting our future, impacting the population.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good because, you know, I mean, even me, they have a, a fellowship program, um, another fellowship program at Indiana University, which is where I studied, and they're talking about uh, climate fellows. So that's something I'm probably going to look into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Uh so how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? You face obstacles, Uh challenges, I I would say (laughs) you have have been very uh, accomplished thus far, so how Uh do you maintain view of the bigger picture?
1: I think it's a very hard question for me to answer because I think on a regular basis, I'm a very big picture thinker. So it's like very easy for me to think and like daydream about, you know, alternative futures for the Caribbean, alternative futures for Jamaica, um, solutions to different environmental problems or social problems, right? But what is much harder for me is to break that vision down into actual actionable steps and like step forward to that. Um, I think that's much more difficult for me. And I think, you know, this year, especially, and probably towards the end of 2020, trying to be intentional about like writing down these big picture visions, you know, like I have these big goals, like writing them down on a paper, because I feel like the act of writing down something that you have in your mind, kind of forces you to think about like something that is concrete, because it's concrete on paper. Now you have to be thinking actionable steps to get to that point. Um, And it's hard. It's, it's, it's very hard, because I feel like, I think about a vision that's like, you know, achievable maybe 25 years from now. So the immediate things, what I can do right now is not very apparent. Um, But I think I've been trying to commit myself to writing it down and being intentional about researching like how, if I want to start a business, like what is the first step I need to do? You know, I'm going on YouTube and finding people who are doing similar visions and understanding their trajectory and the steps that they've taken to get from point A to, you know, point Z
0: wow yeah that's good that's good because you know one thing that I have to keep in mind sometimes even with me it's a challenge that you have these goals for yourself whether it be personal professional academic whatever the goals may be um you have to keep in mind I, This is what I have to keep in mind that the decisions that you make today do to impact those goals later on mm-hmm. you have to be you have to be quite cognizant of the decisions that you make yeah mm-hmm. I
1: agree. and I think just to add to that point I do feel like sharing some of these visions with people that you trust is helpful you know sharing it with someone that you trust to hold you accountable so you know in the next six months someone can ask so so where's the business what's what's happening on that front you know and having someone outside of yourself outside of you know your your dream book or whatever you write it in to ask you questions to to hold you accountable to to keep you encouraged to keep you moving on you know each individual step to the big goal
0: yeah because one thing that I, I keep in mind on the same point you know when you innovate in isolation it gives mm. a false appearance of novelty in some some in some instances so mm-hmm. so what i'm saying is sometimes even in science you'll be researching or reading something and you would be like "Whoa, oh, i just came up with this idea mm-hmm. and in isolation you think it's novel but when you go mm-hmm. amongst people they tell you dude that's already been discovered like 15 years before you've been joined yeah yeah so
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and not just like the fact that you, it could lead to duplication, but the fact that you, you're, you're probably missing out on collaborators, you know, people yeah. who have these same visions may have, you know, complementary skills to what you have and you could be working together with them to move forward.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, um, the thing I like about collaboration is, you know, I'm actually, my research project for this uh, graduate program, which I hope to be in in I finish my PhD because I like it. Yeah. Um, the research program I'm working on, the, the specific project, is a collaboration between three different professors mm, mm-hmm. yeah so you know you know it's rich it's, <laughs> rich. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's like some, some some good caribbean jerk or some good caribbean is rich rich mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of public policy
1: mm-hmm. okay so my degrees are in both public policy and city planning and i think both of them are very similar because they're such broad fields um, in essence, like when you leave a planning program or you leave a public policy program, what you're leaving with is just a set of tools to apply to any sort of societal problem that you see fit. You know, with public policy, you have an understanding of how government works, of how policies are built, how legislation is passed. With city planning, you're given a set of tools that are more spatial in happening. So you're understanding how zoning works in a city to facilitate, you know, certain conditions within a city. So I think. Both of those tools are broad enough and are constantly being innovated enough that you can apply them to anything. So for me, I came into um, grad school already having a deep excitement for sustainability, particularly the type of sustainability that is most relevant to, to Caribbean islands. Um, But understanding that those same skill sets can be used for things that you know I didn't I didn't see in my future. So as an example, um, when I graduated from uh, Georgia Tech, I moved to New York, and my first job was with the New York City Economic Development Corporation. One, I never saw myself working in economic development because there's this you know false dichotomy that sustainability or economic development, the two of them don't happen at the same time. Hmm. But here I was working in this space, working on you know the advancement of renewable energy in the city. Um, but also thinking about the fact that this can create jobs this can create meaningful jobs for you know various communities, particularly communities of color in New York. Mm. understanding that I had to like kind of reapply my understanding of you know sustainability as a system. You know, of course renewable energy is one part that I'm interested in and also kind of have experience in. But understanding that the people, the training of people to work in this industry is as important as the technologies themselves. Understanding that, you know, the workforce development side of it is as important as the technology itself. And I think planning and policy are helpful in having you approach problems as systems Hmm. so if you think about sustainability as like a system of both environmental actors, um, human and technological actors and economic actors, then you realize that you don't have to just be working on the environmental side to have a role in that system, you know and Mm -hmm. I think um, being a part of both of those disciplines I think one, like I think I'm a I'm a I'm a jack of all trades by nature, and okay. I feel like those those type of professions um, force you to keep thinking that way. Force you to keep thinking big and multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary. You know, you have to think that way when you're in those um, spaces.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, along the same lines, you know, you made the point that uh, just because you're working in one sector, whether it be with environmental actors or under the environmental domain or regime doesn't mean you're not impacting a larger goal. so because you have human factors societal factors and all those other things so yeah I completely I completely agree so you went to uh, Kalamazoo College mm-hmm. you went to the very good institute John <laughs> mm-hmm. and you uh, how did you start how did you seek or find the right environment for you to thrive intellectually how did you choose those schools What was the guiding factor?
1: I'll be very honest with you, for Kalamazoo, I went there because I got a scholarship, you know. Um, I think when I was graduating my last year of high school, uh, based on the subjects I did in in sixth form, I got into UA, and that's the University of West Indies in the Caribbean, and I could have done geology and geography or could have done actuarial science. I was not confident that, you know, I wanted to do either of those subjects kind of because the way that the education system works in the Caribbean is kind of your stream. So depending on the subjects that you do in high school, it kind of, you know, maps out a path for you in, in tertiary education. And I knew that like what I wanted to do didn't sit squarely in either of those spaces. So at least at the very least, I knew that I wanted to be able to explore liberal arts education, you know, a mm-hmm. place that I could like kind of jump from discipline to discipline because, you know, my, my jack of all tradesness was popping up from there. <laughs> um, so like I told my parents that like, I want to go overseas and, you know, get this type of education. Um, In sixth form, I applied to a bunch of colleges. I didn't get any scholarships and I was like, all right, my parents can't afford to pay type entire tuition. So I stayed, I I basically took a gap year and I worked during that year and reapplied. Um, So the second time I applied, I got into Kalamazoo and I got a pretty good scholarship. Never heard of Kalamazoo, never seen snow, don't know where Kalamazoo is, but I'm like, I'm going
0: (laughs) because the scholarship
1: is there. And I feel like that is a testament to kind of what happens with Caribbean people you know, you're from a small place, but you see an opportunity and, you know, you're going to take the opportunity kind of regardless of where it comes. Um, So I ended up at Kalamazoo College. There were 10 other Jamaicans in my year who were obviously thinking, you know, the same exact way I was thinking that this opportunity popped up, we're going to go. Um, And I think the liberal arts education was extremely helpful for me at that stage in my life. Mm -hmm. I needed to kind of get a feel of multiple different things because I'm interested in lots of different things and it's allowed me to do that. Um, And another aspect of the liberal arts education, at least at my school, that I cherished was the fact that it had study abroad. Um, It paid for me to go and study abroad. And I was able to kind of explore sustainable development a lot more in Southeast Asia. You know, it's a context that is actually very similar to the type of development trajectory that happens in the Caribbean. Um, And then, you know, having had that experience, I was a lot more precise with what I wanted to do in grad school you know and I I think I also was able to kind of get the network to help me get to grad school because no one in my family had been to college, no one in my family had been to grad school Um, but I had resources at Kalamazoo to help me figure out that process, help me figure out the fact that you know when you're, get, you're applying for grad schools, and you, you're starting getting offers, you can negotiate. You can ask for more money. You can, you know, ask for more funding. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Like this was this was news to me. So I applied I'm this more... Some
0: of this is news to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> David, you should have talked to me before. Um, but when I got in, like I got to, into, you know, probably four or five different schools, And, you know, all of them are giving me some amount of funding, but not sufficient. And I was just like, I emailed them. I'm like, you know, I'm from this, you know, I'm from a third world country. I need extra support. Like, I'm really interested in your program, yada, yada, yada. Um, Can you do more for me? And they did more for me, you know, and Georgia Tech gave me a full ride. Um, Are you serious? I am dead serious. Give me a full ride. And I was like, all right, I'm going to Georgia Tech. I didn't know where Georgia Tech was, uh, but at least I knew at the very least it was in a bigger city than Kalamazoo was, um, and I was excited for that to go to a school that's in a city that I can practice, you know, public policy and city planning in a city that has the type of diversity that I'm interested in, you know, experiencing while I'm there for you know, x amount of years. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I I think kind of the schools you go to matter less than kind of what you're trying to 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 get out of those schools you know i i feel like it's kind of corny people say but education is kind of your experience is what you make it because i could have gone to lots of other different schools and i feel like i could have you know given having the knowledge and the base that i had and the network of people to give me that knowledge um i could have made you know i probably would have been in the same or similar place as i am right now
0: um Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's that's good, Dorian. That's good. I feel like I should take a page on that book. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, everything is a negotiation, you know, like and I, I do think that is one of the, the difficult parts. And you're coming from, you know, context or families that don't have significant experience, you know, doing grad school or doing college, you don't no one is no one telling telling you this stuff. But you know, I had like a white friend in school who all of their parents when all their parents or grandparents, aunts and uncles went to grad school. So they know the system, you know, mm, and true. picking up those pieces of information and sharing it within our circles of, you know, immigrant communities, people of color. Like, it's very important that you're sharing that information.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, along those same lines, um, you made the point that uh, you just studied about in Southeast Asia. Was yeah. it in Singapore?
1: Um, no, it was in Thailand
0: Thailand, okay mm-hmm. I know Singapore is really big on that development and stuff like that mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah.
1: mm-hmm. What's what tha- cool. what,
0: still what out in Thailand?
1: Repeat what, the oh. question?
0: What's still out in Thailand? Oh
1: I mean so much um, So the program there um, was on sustainable development within the context of you know a country that's rapidly developing and I think for me it, for people who go you know, coming from the Caribbean or wherever, and going to schools in the, you know, the West. So in America or Europe or whatever, the way that they teach policy, the way that they teach city planning, lots of these kind of governance-based uh, subjects. It feels very different than the reality, you know, to exist in your home countries, Mm -hmm. the level of informality that exists in Jamaica, the level of kind of like banduluism and (laughs) corruption, like all of these different issues that are just like present and rampant within our countries. They kind of just don't talk about that you know so we're talking about city planning and we're not talking about people who are living in informal settlements we're not talking about informal vendors that's just not a part of the conversation and i think for me that study abroad program was the first time that we're able to like accurately capture the realities that exist the economic and the social realities that exist in developing countries so one like once i got there it felt like jamaica it felt very familiar to jamaica in every aspect of it um and there's also a big part of it that was talking about tourism, you know, which of course both of our islands are extremely dependent. dependent
0: on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, having those conversations and thinking about how do you create an economy that is not exploitative of the environment but actually kind of regenerate the the environment was just super exciting you know because everything just felt so relevant to me we're talking about the tourism sector we're talking about the fishing economy all these different aspects of it food agriculture like all of it felt the most relevant to me and my experience in jamaica and i think by and large it's probably like the most influential part in like shaping um what I've done academically and professionally.
0: Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, so, um, that's, that's good. So, um, how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments? How are you maintaining or trying to maintain a balanced life?
1: I don't know, David, and I don't know if I'm doing a great job, at yeah. it <laughs> to be
0: honest. Yeah, I know, <laughs> Tamine, just... I know, what you
1: mean. Um, Like you, I feel like I'm someone who likes to be involved.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, I like I like my extracurriculars. You know, I whether yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whether I'm in school or like you know graduated from school, I'm like, which club can I join? You know, like I feel like that sort of that community that we're creating by joining these clubs, by joining this like professional society or whatever it is. Like, of course there's a a networking professional aspect to it, but there's also like a community aspect to it that I, I value a lot. So at Georgia Tech, Jumping and finding Caribsa was so exciting. You know, like meeting you in the math center or wherever we would meet and you're like, oh, there's a Caribbean society, like was an extremely exciting point for me. And I feel like every place I go, I'm constantly looking for a community. So whether it's a community of people who are from my region of the world or of people who are in my, you know, kind of professional field, that community gives me energy and I feel like It's a a space that, you know, I feel like I can can share my experiences and be given advice, be given kind of support from people who know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. So in New York, I've been lucky to also find that community. I'm a part of... The American Planning Association, the the New York chapter, has a group called DivCom, Diversity Committee. And it's a group of people of color who are all city planners and policy people Focus on the same sort of things like urban development of different kinds. So you have people who do sustainable planning. You have people who do affordable housing. You have people who do transportation planning. And it's all people of color. So there are a couple Jamaicans in there. There are people who have all these different experiences. And I think For me, it's been such a rewarding group to be a part of because the amount of advice and information I've been able to get from those people and just like moral support um, has like kept me energized in new york which is like a very competitive place to be mm-hmm. you know uprooting yourself from atlanta moving to new york to try and find a job is like a very difficult process for anyone mm-hmm. um, and that group has been super helpful in all aspects of that um, so that's that's one part of like you know maintaining a personal balance and i think also just like trying to find a, a, trying to set boundaries basically mm-hmm. you know yeah. so um, at the current job I'm in, I mean consulting you now. The idea of work life balance is, you know, it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a big thing, you know. Um, it's not it's not really respected in the industry, but trying my hardest to be like, I'm not going to respond to emails after six thirty. I am not going to, you know, check my messages until work actually starts at 9.30. Like I just actually had someone send me an email. It's not 9.30. I'm not going to respond to it until 9.30. You know, so trying to be deliberate about setting those boundaries and pushing back at like these expectations that encroach on my time. You know, like it's not always successful, but um, I'm definitely trying to be intentional and, and keep up those boundaries.
0: Yeah, that's, good. that's good setting boundaries and you know relying on community that's good you know um, I would say having a good community is important especially when it comes to sharing your experiences sharing your stories and also having a community that understands where you're coming from so it's not just you're, you are the mm-hmm. an outlier and you have to yep. try and explain everything to them all the time mm-hmm. yeah so for I mean, sure that's good. for sure yeah so what would you say has been the cause or the driving factor for your success to this point (laughs) yes what what would you say has contributed to your success my success well I
1: mean I appreciate you thinking that um I don't know I I have to acknowledge that like I, I come from a very privileged family in Jamaica you know, I've had parents who could afford to send me to a very good prep school, which then put me in a position to go to a very good high school. So all of these things I realized that like may have changed my complete trajectory in life had I not been afforded those resources. Um, so Obviously, I am very thankful for the peer, my parents who set me up, you know, to be able to take advantage of all these resources and, and wealth of knowledge in the spaces that I've been able to occupy um but in terms of like my own kind of drive I do think as I said like I'm a very big picture thinker and I feel like I always have in the back of my head or the front of my head like you know a vision of the future I want for Jamaica you know the future that I want to help build for Jamaica um and for me going back home has always been like the ultimate goal, returning home and like having a business idea or setting up some organization that's doing this type of work, sustainability-minded work, um, has always like driven me. So the the choices I've made it made professionally or academically, it's like is this going to help set me up for what I want to do in Jamaica? Yes, then I'll take it. No, then maybe this is not for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think um, having that end goal of what you kind of want your future to look like is helpful in, you know, helping you choose, you know, what opportunities to take. Because not every opportunity is for you and not every opportunity, you know, you need to say yes to. Um, But yeah, I think just having that kind of clear vision of what I want, you know, my... 20, 2030 to look like my
0: 2035 to look like, you know. Yes, yeah, because you know, time, time is like money, so you have to spend it wisely. Mm-hmm. Value how you invest in your time and not every good opportunity is something for you to take. Yep. You
1: know, that's for
0: sure. I, I've had to remind myself of, you know in these academic institutions a lot of good opportunities pop up yep mm-hmm. but if you try and take all of them you you'll spend too much time on every single one that the thing you came well you might not be able to yeah and, and,
1: and you spread yourself thin at that point too yeah. you know I, I I do find that happening to me sometimes that like I'm so excited about lots of different things like opportunities pop up and I'm just like dang like <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said yes to this because I have no time to do it well you know
0: yeah that's true that's true yeah you know you have to have a vision so um why did you choose mathematics as a field to major in? (laughs) not to disappoint you but i I, okay let me not
1: say it was just because of my parents so i did math in sixth form in high school in jamaica and i like it a lot but if you ask me like did i like math because I liked it, or because I was good at it at the time, maybe I would have said the latter. Like I think I I I liked being you know good at math. I liked being kind of like in competition with other people, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like being in in extra lessons class for math and being like I'm the one girl competing with all the guys who are really good at math. You know, I think I I enjoyed that. And then I got into college and I was like, my first year, I was like, okay, all right, I'm still I'm still decent at it, I'm not great at it anymore but like I'm decent at it and then by the time (laughs) I got to my third year I was like this is not relevant to me you know in all honesty like it it just felt so abstract from the the kind of the visions that I had for myself at that point because I'd already done study abroad like I understood like sustainable sustainability sustainable development is something I'm interested in and I didn't see a place for math anymore Mm -hmm. Um, but it was too late to change my major so I continued with it, graduated with it, and then I had the minor in environmental studies. And, you know, I would, like, make jokes with people, like, I regret doing math. By the time I got to, like, applying for grad school, I was surprised at how many, like, programs were like, I we appreciate the fact that you have done math in undergrad. You know, the fact that you have proven mastery of some, some extent um, of this technical subject means that you're bringing, like, an analytical nature to public policy and two-city planning which like in themselves like you wouldn't expect but they do have an analytical component you know um in public policy the most difficult one of the most difficult classes i was doing was statistics but i had that kind of edge up having done math in undergrad you know Um, so by and large i i don't regret doing math or having that ability to, like, kind of switch to an analytical mindset, I think it has served me well um, in both fields as I am in now.
0: Oh, that's good, yeah. Path experiences do give you a framework for you to progress and interpret what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we conclude, mm-hmm. do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you're currently working <laughs> in?
1: Um, yeah, I mean... I think the Caribbean needs more people like this, you know, or just the world generally. I think what excites me about both public policy and city planning is that it forces you to think about issues like systems, as I mentioned before. And I feel like once you start viewing the environment as a system of different actors, of different institutions, of different you know, pieces of, uh, of, of, of infrastructure, then I feel like the kind of false boundaries and silos that we have in the government, in the society kind of start coming down. So like me as a city planner who's interested in climate change, I know that like I need to understand manufacturing. I know that I need to have relationships with people who could be potentially building, you know, solar panels or offshore wind turbines or whatever it is. So like the kind of fake Idea that like I need to be in this space and only occupy spaces that say environment. You know that those those walls start crumbling, and I feel that's extremely important, especially for nations that are developing. That you understand, you know, the food system is extremely interdisciplinary, and if you if you're able to capture the fact that all of these 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 issues that we face work as systems, and they need multiple, they need, they need, you need to be intervening on multiple aspects, then I don't think, you know, we're going to have like a, a development that is being able to be sustained, really, you know, so I think, regardless of what career you end up, the mindset of thinking of problems in systems is extremely valuable, um, for not just the Caribbean but just generally everywhere you know I think that's helped me that's helped me um build relationships you know relationships with people who do, do transportation relationships with people who do housing and I think it's also been beneficial for me because like I'm I'm not intimidated by going into a field that like I'm not familiar with you know doing projects that are food related doing projects that are workforce related you know I'm, I'm not intimidated by that because I understand the way that systems
0: work. Wow that's good that's very good. So what is some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: So much. I mean, I think for me, the most beneficial thing someone has told me is to be deliberate and articulate about what you want out of particular experiences and to say it to people. You know, um, when you're starting a new job, when you are starting a new grad program or undergrad, define the vision of what you want to learn. You know, say that like, my interest in environmental studies is because I want to focus on Caribbean nations and the problem that exists in Caribbean nations. And sometimes that may not result in anything, you know, but sometimes you defining what you want or to learn experience helps people connect you better to different resources that can help you, you know, build that experience. So saying to people that I'm interested in the context of island nations in sciences generally, they may be able to connect you to a professor that's also from the Caribbean. They may be able to connect you to someone that's doing research in a Caribbean island, whatever it may be. And I think that's been something that has stuck with me throughout my academic and professional career. You know, I think one thing people will say about me is like Doreen is very, not forceful, but she articulates what she wants and she articulates, you know, what she's trying to get out of an experience. And I think that's that has served me well. Um, and of course, the kind of other side to that is like, what if you were not sure what you want? I mean, that can also be something that you say to people, like, I'm not sure what I'm wanting out of this experience. So maybe giving me like a diversity of experiences and perspectives within this like academic or professional space is something that you need you need to be able to explore multiple different options so that you are quickly able to realize what you don't like and what you like
0: uh, are you dropping nuggets man? Ah, oh, i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> <Dropping nuggets. laughs> you know thanks again for joining me it's good to have you on it's good